Welcome back to another episode of Consciously Clueless. I'm your host, Carly, and I'll be your guide on this journey from consciousness to cluelessness and back around again. Today on the podcast, I talk to Lisa Erickson. Lisa is an energy worker specializing in women's energetics, sexual trauma healing, chakra manifestation, and kundalini awakening. She is the author of Chakra Empowerment for Women and The Art and Science of Meditation. Lisa is certified in mindfulness meditation, instruction, and trauma sensitivity, and has trained in a variety of energy healing and somatic modalities. She is a member of the Breathe Network, a nonprofit dedicated to supporting holistic healing and healers for sexual trauma survivors. Here we go. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. In 2022, I am setting a new mental health goal. I want to start journaling again every single day because it really helps me find patterns to what is triggering my anxiety or negative self-talk. And one of the best ways to follow through on healthy mental health habits is by working with a licensed therapist. With BetterHelp, you can access their network of over 20,000 licensed therapists. It's not a crisis line. It's not a self-help line. It's professional therapy done securely online. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. If you've ever searched for a counselor in your area, you know it can take weeks or even months just to hear back from someone. With BetterHelp, you can start communicating in as little as 48 hours. That is amazing. BetterHelp is available for clients worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist. You'll get timely, thoughtful responses Plus, you can also schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change therapists if needed, which is so helpful because there's no shame in that. It's more affordable than traditional offline therapy and financial aid is available on top of it. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. And so do I. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Carly. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash C-A-R-L-Y to join the over 2 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You deserve to prioritize your mental health this year. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Carly. Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. Um, again, thank you for joining me. I'm really excited to be chatting with you. Yeah, I am as well. Really happy to be here. So the podcast is called Consciously Clueless. And that came from this place of me being on this journey of realizing like, wow, there are some moments where I'm like, I got it. I'm tapped in. I'm turned on. Like, it's totally here. And there's other moments where I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm totally clueless <laughs> and just kind of the in-between and what all that means. So I like to start with asking guests where they are in this moment on the spectrum from clueless to conscious, whatever oh. that means to you. Great question. Cause I'm in my fifties. So you would think, oh, okay. She should have it going on. She should know what she's doing. She's <laughs> a spiritual seeker and even teacher for a long time now, but I have three teenagers. And, mm -hmm. you know, watching them go through the world and entering this world that has so many challenges, spending uh, over a year doing high school from home, one now mm -hmm. applying to college, uh, a lot of things in terms of the crisis of the world, in terms of gender fluidity, there's just a right. lot more they're dealing with in open questions. And it makes me question as well. So there I feel uncertain, mm. you know, so, and I do feel clueless sometimes. And it's sort of interesting how parenting is this journey of revisiting certain questions as it's seen through a new generation. Oh, interesting. Um, so I, I think that's kind of where I'm at. <laughs> I love that. I, I love the example of kind of seeing that through what your children are seeing and, and going through that lens. It keeps you from being set. I also do think there's an element of cluelessness, which is part of, you know, the spiritual path. There's this great quote, right? The, the uh, expert's mind is full. The beginner's mind is open, right? Mm -hmm. You want to keep beginner's mind because otherwise you stop learning. If you're a full cup, you never, you, you think you have nothing left to learn, right? So there is something to be said about not necessarily the insecurity of cluelessness, mm -hmm. but of recognizing you don't know something fully because it makes you keep seeking. 
So I like that. Ooh, yeah. Lot, yeah. Yeah. I like that. So I found you through this great, amazing directory, and I am so glad to connect with people. I always think of things like that. And I'm like, I'm not going to find anybody that actually like fits the podcast. Right. And I read your bio and every sentence I was like, yes, yes, yes. I don't even know if I finished when I emailed you <laughs> because I just wanted to hear from you. So can you tell listeners a little bit about what you do? Yeah, I am an energy worker and to some extent a meditation teacher, but I really focus more on exercises and contemplative work that helps individuals, mostly women connect to their energy body. I focus on the chakras or energy centers, although there are other ways to connect to your energy body and a lot of techniques that revolve around visualization, affirmation, and somatic feeling mm -hmm. to connect to those energies for personal growth, for physical healing, for transiting life phases, and also for trauma healing, particularly sexual trauma healing. And what led you to that path? Well, in my 20s, I was suffering from a lot of stress symptoms, stomach aches, headaches. And as it happened, someone said to me, why don't you try meditation, which at the time was not so common, but I ended right. up in a chakra meditation class. And chakra meditation is only one form of uh, meditation, of course. But I had this instant connection to this idea of there being this energy beyond what we can see. And I felt it palpably in my own body. And so it led me on this journey that was initially a personal spiritual journey. Eventually, I got interested in the other side of energy teachings, which are more about healing than personal growth, mm -hmm. uh, not simply spiritual awakening and pursued training in that and shifted my whole career around that. And I was always interested in empowering women. And that got me really interested in women's life, transits. And from there, so many of the women I was doing workshops with had experienced sexual trauma. Now, post Me Too, we're all aware of just how many women that is true for. At the time, that was still not so much in the public eye. Right. So I really wanted to develop you know, holistic practices to help individuals to work with that. That's really beautiful. And I think it's it's interesting to see the evolution of the work you did and see how it fits in with kind of the, the climate of what's going on. That must have felt like an interesting shift for you. Like you mentioned the Me Too movement. What did that movement do for the work you do? Well, it brought it so much more into the forefront. It definitely brought in an influx of new interest regarding healing modalities. Mm -hmm. I would also say, though, that it re-traumatized some individuals, meaning... Right. Uh, some people you're reading about other people's trauma and maybe you haven't quite faced it yourself or you felt like you had, you've done healing work around it, but all of a sudden seeing others and how many others have experienced that actually creates new issues for yourself. Right. I also had longtime clients who were like, wow, I never considered this particular experience from my past to have been sexual trauma. And now I'm reframing that it that way and really struggling. And so there was a, a lot of people yeah. recapitulating their past and saying, wow, this actually wasn't consensual. Why did I never see that before? Uh, you know, and, and then yep. having to work with that. And, and it's all part of this uncomfortable process of change and the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So on the one hand, I'm thrilled to see it happening. Uh, on the other hand, yes, it's, it's been difficult for a lot of people. Yeah. I, I was thinking that as you were kind of throwing out some some terms there, um, I thought maybe we should define some terms. So what is energy work? Mm. Let's start there before I keep asking, because I've got like 40,000 questions in my brain rolling yeah. around. I won't ask you all of them today, I promise. But maybe before I keep going, we could define a few things. Yeah. Well, and energy work, you know, there are a lot of different people or modalities that fall under that umbrella. In general, they're all based on the idea that we have an energy body, just like we have a physical body. Mm -hmm. And that it in a way is an interface between our physical body and our psyche and our spirit. So some energy modalities are more focused on the connection to the physical body, like meridian mm -hmm. work, acupuncture is actually energy work. The meridians are energy lines in the body, but that's a very physically based modality. Right. Then there's psychology. There's psychological therapy methods that are based on chakras. I mean, Carl Jung was very interested in the chakras. There's mm -hmm. branches of Jungian therapy 
uh, counseling that utilize the idea of the chakras. Oh, I did and then not know that. Yeah, it's very interesting. Anodea Judith is one of the writers that focuses on that. And then there's spiritual teachings. I sort of work right in the center there. Okay. Uh, I, a lot of my stuff is focused on emotional work and using the chakras, which are energy centers in the body. And they're only mm -hmm. one way of looking at the energy body. But each of them are mapped to different aspects of our psyche and different parts of our body. So working with different techniques to help uh, someone release things that might be trapped mm. away in, in their body or their psyche and also to empower energies or vibrations that they're having difficulty accessing within themselves mm -hmm. so that's kind of the energy work I do yoga in a way is energy work a lot of people don't realize that but yoga postures are also based on energy body alignment not just physical anatomy mm -hmm. reiki is the one is the term that most people may have heard because that form of energy healing has sort of kind of made it into the mainstream or the semi mainstream so yeah. all of that under energy work okay that's kind of I love that big picture for us. I, um, I'm Reiki certified oh, and, and, um, would love to chat more about that later too. It was, um, quite the experience actually. Um, another thing I think it would be good to define though, moving forward is what are we saying when we say trauma? Yeah. Well, I will say that the definition that I'm comfortable with that is often used in the psychological community is trauma is any experience which we somehow can't integrate. And mm. so we process it in some other way. We repress it, we disassociate mm -hmm. from it, uh, and it stays unprocessed. So it becomes in a way a trigger point. And then other experiences in our life that resonate with it in some way bring forward a response that we don't completely understand until we have done the work to integrate that experience and process it on some level in our conscious mind, which doesn't necessarily mean reliving the memory. That's kind of the, like yeah. the movie version is you like relive it and it's a big catharsis. It's not so much about that. It's mm -hmm. more often about realizing, oh, wow, this pattern of feeling anxious whenever I have too many people around me is actually rooted in this past event. And what mm -hmm. I need help with is what tools do I use whenever I feel that way to rewrite that habitual response? I mean, that's really what it's like for most people. And so you're saying the tools, one tool can be this energy work. Yeah. Yeah. And there's two ways of working with it, at least two. One is um, viewing that trauma, that memory, that imprint of the unintegrated experience as stored in the body. Mm. and in the energy body and there's a lot of really the forefront of trauma research right now is all focused on somatic work mm -hmm. feeling things in the body that they're realizing talk therapy has value but it you can understand it you can come to understand the narrative of what occurred to you and still be triggered in your real life right yes. so how do you work with that actual trigger moment you need tools for, oh, wow, this is what happens in my body and my energy body. And how do I release that? And now how do I deal with it in a new way? And so for chakra work, on the one hand, it's the release part. And then it's the, ah, okay, how do I center in my root chakra, which is associated with feeling safe in my body when I need to, because I'm mm -hmm. not feeling safe. And the same with all the other chakras. There's different ways to focus on them to bring forward an energy you need in that moment that you're not feeling. So I worked as an advocate for survivors of sexual assault mm -hmm. and dating violence for years and, and went to grad school for that. And during that time, um, I experienced um, sexual assault myself. Mm -hmm. And it was a wild out of body experience to be an advocate and, and then have this going on, but I completely decompartmentalized and, and, or compartmentalized, <laughs> didn't decompartmentalize yet, compartmentalized that and kind of tucked it away for a while. But as I continued to work in the field, it was getting harder for me to work in the field. And I also realized that it wasn't fulfilling what I thought I could bring to the table. And I took a yoga teacher training and then I felt like I had these tools. I was like, oh, now I get it. We can talk about things 
and also we can move our body. So that's moving forward. What I've been trying to cultivate in my own business Mm -hmm. is teaching yoga and doing this kind of work and make it blend. Cause everything you were saying, I was just, I always forget that I don't always share the video. So I'm like ferociously nodding, but (laughs) nobody can see that. Um, and I just connected so much to that kind of, um, that thing that you mentioned and, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's it. And, and I think people have different ways of processing things and some individuals, physical modalities are their entrance point into their trauma. Totally. Some people, they can talk about it and they can talk, talk, talk. And at a certain point that stops being useful and then they need to move into the body. Yeah. Some people start in the body Yep. and as they're especially yoga, because it does release things on different levels then they come to a place where they feel comfortable addressing the emotions that are surfacing. Right. And especially sexual trauma, it impacts our relationship to our body. Mm -hmm. We receive the message that it's about our body, right? There's a lot of victim blaming. There's something about, you know, how were you dressed or what were you doing? Right. Like that, you know, that, that is somehow linked to, especially the female body, right? right? Our culture. It's one of the expressions of, patriarchy and misogyny so that it makes so much sense that for sexual trauma survivors in particular the body needs to be worked with right it's almost like how could it not be (laughs) right I was just thinking when you said that in my head I went gosh when you say it like that it's so obvious yeah right how could sitting in a room and talking with someone really get to the heart of it I mean it can help a lot but yeah you need to heal something in relationship to your body. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of the chakra system, the first and the, the first and second chakra are really about that relationship to body. And what I found is a lot of sexual trauma survivors will kind of tend to disassociate from the ch- those chakras. And so a lot of my work is, okay, let's get you focused on your first and second chakra, yeah. which are often like focusing on the site of the trauma, right? But getting comfortable with reclaiming this part of your body, perhaps, mm-hmm. um, and the energies associated with them. Right. So when you are, when you are working with someone and maybe let's just kind of walk through, someone is going to start to work with you and says, I've experienced this trauma and I think I need to do some energy work to heal that. What is, what does the process look like? Where do we start? Yeah. The first thing I'm looking for is a sense of how much work someone has already done. So I know right. the phase of healing we're in. So that's very important, right? Right. Um, there is a place in someone's every, everyone's healing where they need to tell the story of their trauma. Mm-hmm. Someone has already done that through therapy. They don't need to do it again with me and me making them do it may actually set them back. So right. I, if someone needs me to be that person, that safe space with whom they share this for the first time, then I will be that safe space. Mm-hmm. So that, that is, you know, the first, the first thing, right? Then it's really often about um, how do you feel this is impacting you now, right? right. Experiencing in your life. And is it anxiety? Is it, uh, is it mostly simply relationship you're struggling with? What's your relationship to your body, right? Mm-hmm. Most often, then what we're dealing with is first and second chakra right off the bat. First chakra is so much about root chakra, you know, right. focal point I use is the tailbone, feeling safe in your body. And so we will yeah. do a lot around trying to release feelings of not feeling safe and call mm. the feeling of being safe while focusing on that chakra and actively um, empowering that energy. Mm-hmm. And that's really, you know, the foundational step. Then sacral chakra, it's more about sensuality, sexuality, and emotions, getting comfortable with intensity. Because sometimes mm. to stay safe, someone needs to keep themselves in sort of a small place. And so gradually increasing that window of tolerance. Yeah. But yeah. I can experience sensuality. Yeah, I can experience big emotions. I don't have to box myself in to stay safe. So, um, yeah. oh, sorry. No, keep going. I, I can go on and on. So you have to cut in. Or... <laughs> no, I don't want to interrupt because I'm like, yes, yes. But then I have questions. Um, so something you just mentioned sparked another thought for me is that 
I think more and more I've seen people talking about, I mean, it's still, it's not, I wouldn't say everywhere, (laughs) but I think it's a growing thing is to talk about healing and um, empowering our sexuality and our sensuality with energy work. Can you talk about how those two are so connected? Yeah. You know, energy is something you feel in your body. At first, the chakras can feel like just you're visualizing this ball of light, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You feel it somatically. You feel warmth. You feel a tingle. It's different for each person. It is a somatic physical experience. Hmm. And especially focusing on the second chakra in the pelvis, pelvic bowl can help you reacquaint you in a way with the sensual experience. When we have a pleasurable experience, it's on the one hand, it's one of our senses, right? Taste, smell. But on another level, there's this vibrational quality to it that we Mm -hmm. can do. And that's really what we're trying to do is reclaim pleasure as a beautiful, good thing, as something we have a right to, as something Mm -hmm. to be in a body. It's part of being in a body, right? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's often a huge part of reclaiming sexuality too. If someone comes to me and says, what I mostly need to work on is being able to experience sexual pleasure with my partner. Right. I've done a lot of other work. I don't feel anxiety is my main issue anymore, but this is where I'm still blocked. We start with sensuality first and opening up the second chakra. Like, okay, what sensual experiences can you just relax into and enjoy? Is it a warm bath? Is it Mm. sunset, the colors of a sunset? Is it beautiful music? Is it eating a piece of chocolate? Like, what are you able to truly take mindful pleasure in? Let's start there. What does that feel like? Yeah. And because that there's a feeling when we do allow ourselves to experience pleasure, we're completely relaxed. And so then we need to use that as a reference point and figure out, okay, why aren't you feeling that in the right. context of sexual sexuality and then work with it from there. So someone could come to you with just that request and really just want to work on sexuality and sensuality and, and pleasure. Exactly. I mean, that's a big, big part of it sometimes. And I'm not a couples therapist, right? So sometimes someone needs is they need a good sex therapist to help them with that. If a a couple needs help communicating, uh, and maybe I shouldn't even assume it's a couple, right? Whatever the situation is, you know, if it's an issue around communication, et cetera, that's often a big piece of it too. But I work with the individual. Sometimes that it, there is that connecting piece of, do you know how to speak what you want? That can be huge. Right. Huge. And that's throat chakra work, right? right. Like getting the inside out. Do I have patterns of hiding what I really want? You know, uh, but often it's sacral chakra work in terms of getting comfortable with pleasure, unearthing any habits of shame, right? Mm. That have become associated with pleasure and releasing those, right? So there isn't that sort of denial of pleasure. This podcast is sponsored by TerraSeed. TerraSeed is on a mission to disrupt the vitamin industry, empower vegans, and reduce plastic waste in the world. They put everything plant-based people struggle to get in an all-inclusive vegan, compostable package multivitamin that replenishes them and our planet every single day. Seriously, y'all, win, win, win. Even if you're not vegan, this vitamin will help you get those key nutrients that you need. I am so excited to share a discount code for your first purchase. Use code CARLY50 at checkout to get 50% off. Again, that's C-A-R-L-Y-5-0 for 50% off your first purchase at terraseed.com. Don't forget this code so they know I sent you. This podcast is supported by She Thinks. Thinks are washable, reusable period underwear. They look and feel just like normal underwear, but better. Every pair of Thinks is made with their signature innovative technology for the ultimate period protection. Their breathable products are safely made with cotton, nylon, and elastin for a little stretch. I am seriously obsessed with my Thinks underwear. They have changed my periods. Try them yourself 
or get someone the best gift ever with a sweet little discount code. Go to shethinks.com slash Carly for $10 off your order today. Again, that's shethinks.com forward slash C-A-R-L-Y for $10 off your order. Try Thinks today. So I have to, I have to wonder, um, when you, when we were setting this up and you mentioned, you've already mentioned that you have children, I have to wonder what it's like for your teenagers to have a mom who is willing to talk about energy (laughs) and healing and trauma. And does that like, are, are we in this generation now where they're like totally cool? Or sometimes are you there? They like, mom, stop. We don't want to talk about our energy today. A little bit of both. You know, when they were younger, you know, they were much more open to that. And then of course, as you get older, you need to distinguish yourself from your parents. Yes. It has been my, you know, approach has been to model, not sort of create a dogma around it. Mm-hmm. So uh, we'll see to what extent they turn back to it as they get older. <laughs> right now they will turn to it and ask me for help when they really need it, but otherwise have moved away from it. But then I'll find them on TikTok watching other people's chakra videos and I'll be like, wait a minute. <laughs> You're like, hello, do you remember who your mom is? <laughs> so that's just the nature, right? Of, of being a teenager, right? You, you can't read it is get your mother's, you can't follow your mother's chakra Instagram, but you'll go watch chakra videos on someone else's TikTok. So that's just the way it is. Because that's different. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it really changes it much at all. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's so, I was, that was one of the first things I actually thought of. I was like, I wonder how her kids react to this because it is something that isn't always talked about in Western culture, right? Energy work and that type of thing um, in the way that I think a lot of other places are, are familiar with. Um, But I didn't really think of energy work until college, maybe a little after that. I did, I couldn't have told you what that meant. Yeah. And a lot of people don't come into contact with it their whole lives, maybe, right? I mean, it's right. still, it has become more uh, available, but it's still, you know, not really uh, in the mainstream, I don't think. It's sort of on the cusp. Right, absolutely. So do you have, or I'm sure you've heard people being skeptical of energy work and, or not believing it. Um, what do you, what do you say to that? Or what is kind of your um, counter to that? My counter is simply try it and see if it works for you and Mm. don't worry about the science behind it, right? I think also that I really approach it as it's a set of techniques and it's secular, meaning there are branches of chakra practice that are associated with spiritual tradition and I practice them myself, but that's not what I do in sessions. Right. It's techniques and you try them and they either benefit you or they don't. And if they Mm -hmm. don't, then you try another modality, no judgment on that, because Mm -hmm. especially with trauma, we know it's very individual. What combination of modalities is going to be the most helpful for someone? So you have to really honor this is working for me. This isn't working for me. And if it's not working for you, it's not about you. It's not, there's something wrong with you. It's not the right modality for you or the right healer and go find what is, you know, right. Uh, but don't get caught up in the theory of it. Oh, science can't prove that. Or that's associated with a religion I don't believe in. Let all that go. Just focus on the techniques. Um, mm-hmm. And what do you feel if you give mm-hmm. them a try? That was my next thought too, was about pushback of it being related to religion because I've even had that as a yoga instructor. Well, it's interesting because I was looking for a social media manager and I got matched up with someone through a service. And then she emailed me back and she said, I'm so sorry, I can't work for you because of my religious beliefs, <laughs> you know? So obviously, she, yeah. And then my, my feeds are very, just, they're just about the chakras techniques. There's really nothing sort of religious philosophy based at all. Um, so yeah, that is part of the culture and mm-hmm. um, then it's just not the right modality Uh, I think I, but really I would say among my client base, I have people of every religion. So interesting. um, Yeah. So it's, it does run the gamut. So there are a lot of people who do feel like, oh, this is just like, you know, 
any other uh, modality. I might go into physical therapy or something. Yeah. I was just going to say any other way of healing. So for listeners who are saying, wait a second, chakras are related to a religion. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Well, it's interesting. This chakra itself, the word means wheel of light and it's a Sanskrit word. So that does come from ancient India Mm -hmm. and really the most popularized chakra teachings in ancient texts would be considered part of Hinduism as is yoga. Now, of course, the kind of yoga taught in your average gym down the street is really disconnected from Hindu philosophy, right? And you can make uh, arguments about whether that's good or bad. But, you know, there also was an incredible amount of knowledge of physical anatomy that went into the development of yoga postures that really has nothing to do with the religious framework. I think it's the same with chakras. Now, the reality is that's only one branch of chakra teachings. Other chakra teachings developed as part of Ayurvedic medicine, so ancient Indian medicine. And they didn't necessarily, they weren't exactly tied into the whole idea of awakening within a Hindu context. And then there are energy center teachings from all around the world that we've sort of just now grouped under this word chakra, but in fact, didn't come from ancient India. And that's Mm. fascinating. There are Celtic energy center mappings, Hopi and other Native American, um, you know, Australian. I mean, there's so many different mappings from all around the world. And it's so fascinating, African ones, ancient Egyptian ones, how much they correspond So we use this word chakra and that does have ancient Indian roots, but in fact, cultures all around the world have discovered these same energy centers and similar ways of working with them. And to me, that really speaks to it as a universal, a universal tool, (laughs) right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That you can work with separate from the theology. Now, not everyone agrees with me on that. into touchy subjects in terms of that's okay conversations about cultural appropriation and you know some people say westerners shouldn't be doing yoga westerners shouldn't be doing this stuff uh it really you know this is stuff we're grappling with right now absolutely and i was going to bring that up as well i've um been having some you know personal work and diving into what harm have i done thus far as a yoga instructor as a white woman And what can I do moving forward? Um, I'm really glad to have been checked on that and start following people who are talking about the practice differently. And I'm so glad that the place I did my training was rooted in tradition and wasn't like planet fitness or something. No offense to planet fitness. I'm sure it's a great gym, but you know, the places that do trainings for like 50 bucks to be a yoga instructor. Um, I, was going to ask what that journey has been like for you in this field and what work have you done to reconcile that and to um, honor that? Yeah. Yeah. It really is an ongoing open question for me when we're talking about cluelessness at the beginning. Yeah. Actually, that would be another good example of an open question. I have at times thought, hmm, should I stop using the word chakra and use energy centers? Because in fact, the sources of my tools are not simply the yogic traditions that are rooted in ancient India. Does that really solve the problem? I don't know, because in a way chakra has gotten into the culture as a word and that's how language develops to refer to these, even when you're talking about sources, you know, Reiki, for example, is Japanese in origin, right? And then has Mm -hmm. several branches coming out of it, but uses this ancient Sanskrit word as well, chakra. So there's all these things. I studied Tibetan Buddhism and within that tradition, you know, the teachings are certainly beyond culture. I mean, that's certainly how they're presented. So Mm -hmm. they have been uh, freely shared in the West. And for many of the lamas that have done so, the fruit of that is true practitioners and teachers that are born in the West, right? Right. Because they can, but other people would say, no, that's, you know, that's culturally appropriating. So it's a very, and that's the same with yoga, right? So it is a very interesting line. Uh, I want people to benefit. So I don't feel it serves anyone to hold back Mm -hmm. sharing. And we'll just, you know, keep having this ongoing discussion about the origin and paying respects to the origin. Mm -hmm. I think something I realized too, was looking at who my teachers were 
Yeah. And who were, where was I getting my information? And I realized I could do a lot better. Yeah. And I think that's um, really important. And I'm really glad and, and thank you for being willing to have that conversation. Cause I know that it can be tricky, but I think that's for me, that's part of this podcast and part of life is to be able to talk about it and um, see how to do better. Yeah, exactly. Well, I appreciate that. So moving back, we're kind of, I'm, I'm trying to thread a needle here, but uh, my, question, my questions come out faster than I can. Um, going back to kind of the, the trauma healing and that type of work, how are you taking care of yourself when doing that work? And how do you um, do that without taking that on? Because that was one of the things, I don't know if it's because I'm a Pisces or what sign it's refer it's uh, referring to. Are you a Pisces as well? Oh, double Pisces. Oh yeah. This makes t- so much <laughs> sense to me. This makes so much sense to me. Um, the fact that I'm a Pisces or what, but I felt like when I was working with survivors and they were telling me their stories, I felt like a sponge yeah. and um, I didn't know how to wring myself out yeah. at the end of the day. So how do you do that? Yeah. Oh gosh. Such an excellent question. So important right now for caretakers of all types, because we yes. have seen coming out of COVID just, you know, a huge influx of mental health issues and Absolutely. caretakers that are handling that all different types of caretakers are struggling themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. So everyone does need to learn how to put their oxygen mask on first. And I've had my own journey with this, right? Uh, It's taken time. I do have a set of boundary practices that I work with. And and really it's oriented around the navel chakra and the root chakra to help really uh, re-pattern my own energetic filter so that I am holding a container that does not mean taking in, right? There's a way to, there's a difference between holding the container and taking it in. And you can be deeply touched and moved by what someone shares and not take it in. And yeah. it does, it takes time to figure out how to do that. Then there is the clearing out processes that I have that are just self-care for myself. And there's also mm-hmm. drawing boundaries, which I was not so good about at the first regarding how many sessions can I do a week? Ooh, yeah. And, uh, you know, drawing that boundary and being like, when someone is contacting you, it's like, I really need to talk to you this week. I really just being like, I am at my limit. I cannot. And I need to honor that. And I'll engage by, you know, not saying that to the person, because you never put that on the other person, but saying, right. I don't have any availability here. You know, let's exchange email, try this technique. Let's get to get, let's yeah. talk Monday and really being able to hold that line. Uh, and so all of that is part of it. So it's, it's also the way I set up a session. I have a whole you know, thing. And that has to, does have to do with my own spiritual beliefs around um, being a conduit, but not having to be the source. Yeah. It is like go letting go of the feeling like it's my job to heal this person. And if I don't, I'm doing something wrong. Uh, Just I'm doing the best I can to be an open channel for something Mm -hmm. myself. Hopefully if it's, it's a benefit, let it be a benefit to this person but I don't have to carry the burden that it's somehow my responsibility to make it all better. Cause that's not always possible. Right. Absolutely. So within that taking care of yourself, I'm curious, I'm always curious with people who do energy work. Do you receive energy work from others mm-hmm. or, um, you know, go to a yoga class with another teacher? Because I find when I'm teaching a lot of classes or when I'm doing a lot of work, that that's what falls. I'm not getting the energy work or I'm not going to a yoga class. I'm just outputting. Yeah. For me, my meditation practice, which is really my own spiritual practice is essential to that. Part of it is just, you know, simply trying to sit in stillness, which Mm -hmm. is meditation is, and that's just healing in and of itself. But then I also have a section of my morning practice that is just particularly activating the healing energies I need for myself. Right. Mm. Chakra work. So it's more specifically oriented around that. And yes, then I personally have found a local, you know, my go-to is actually a chiropractor, but who I feel is energetically, like is secretly an energy healer, whether they know it or not. I totally (laughs) have felt those people where I'm like, you have more power than you realize. (laughs) You think you're just adjusting my spine, but, and I'm just, (sighs) just good fortune that I found. Yeah. 
and she's essential to my ongoing sort of health and retreating, uh, going on retreat, uh, mm. retreat and also uh, spiritual retreat, group retreats with teachers that I value and trust uh, to be the student rather than the teacher in that context and receive, you know. Uh, and yeah. I'm about to go on it. So interesting. You caught me right before I'm about to kind of go on sabbatical, take a break from private sessions for a couple of months. I'm still teaching my workshops. But okay. Break from most private sessions, except for some clients where we're kind of in the middle of a thread, but not taking new clients. I'm like, oh, you know, what? I need to spend a couple of months not taking new clients, just doing workshops. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. And I've done that periodically throughout yeah. practice. Um, not always easy to get yourself to do it but right. Yeah. So that's an, that you brought up something interesting when you were saying going on retreat, either individual or with groups. I know that some people I've talked to about energy healing, they are interested, but they're scared mm. and valid, mm. absolutely valid. Um, given their information or given their past history or whatever it is, um, is group energy work, something that is common. I guess I don't know much about that. I mean, I know there's group meditations and group, you know, yoga classes, and that's all group energy work, but that kind of like intentional group energy work. Yeah. It's different than private session, but yes, certainly in a workshop, that's what I tried to do. We do both, um, guided work where everyone is engaging in the same say visualization and bringing forth the same activation. So that's maybe very similar to a group meditation, right? Mm -hmm. But you can, if you create the right the, the, the right container, draw on each other, the power of multiple individuals in mm. healing, right? And then it is also possible to do distance healing in a group. And um, I would say though, that it took me time to build up to that. So it's also, I think about any practitioner has to realize like any other skill, it evolves over time. The number of sessions I can do now is more than I can do at the beginning. The number of people I feel I can work with at once is more than it was at the beginning. So mm -hmm. you have to allow yourself, you know, time to let that pace unfold. Uh, and then as a Pisces, always <laughs> so much time for clearing, right? It's just solitude is like air to us. We do need it, you know? Yes, absolutely. I was just telling um, my parents today that I was considering like going on a solo trip that I've, you know, like something short, but I've never really done that. It was always with a partner or family or a friend and I am single and don't even have an animal to take care of just some plants. So I was like, maybe I should take a solo trip soon. And they were like, are you okay? Mm -hmm. or is it to get away from people? It's like, no, I just really but I'm kind of, but it's really yeah. just like, for me, that solitude is just golden. Well, and that's another kind of energy work is the way that we relate to nature. And I don't know if that's what you're thinking or not, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, the elements and the vibration of the elements, uh, they're each water chakras. Yeah. It's a whole nother thing. And it's very healing for anyone. Right. It's something that many of us now in modern life have much too little time to do. So communing with nature is energy work as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. What was your first kind of foray into this? I mean, I know you said that you kind of took a class, but like, were you someone that did yoga stuff or meditation or were kind of interested in this stuff beforehand? Or was this just a really like full 180 from what you were doing before? Well, you, it, I first encountered that chakra meditation class just like a year out of college. Before that, I had no knowledge whatsoever. Okay. Do work. So really, from my perspective, I was walking into a meditation class. It just happened to be chakra meditation right. where you're focusing on the chakras. And that opened up a whole new world for me because I did feel it right away. Now, mm -hmm. looking back from that point, then in retrospect, I look back at my childhood and feel reframe things as in, oh, wow, I was sensing energies. I did feel that way, but I didn't understand it that way at the time. Yes, right? yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you reframe your whole childhood that way. Yes. Oh so, yeah. So then from there, it grew into becoming interested in other types of energy work besides meditation. Hmm. So one of the things I was, I was reading about you a little bit today, and one of the things I really liked and love from this conversation too, is just the focus on the feminine and, and 
females and women and, um, you know, it, it, just that focus alone is helping break down the patriarchy in and of itself. But um, if someone is listening to this, if a female identified person is listening to this and they're like, I just, how do I connect with my feminine? What's my first step? Like, what do I do to connect with my feminine? What would you say? Technically, the first thing is focus light in your pelvis. Mm. It's so, which is the sacral chakra. And it's so interesting because when you first enter into almost any kind of energy center meditation, it's going to be focused on light in your heart, focus on light in your third eye and your forehead. Those are the two you're going to hear the most. Yep. Focus on light in your pelvis. This is not where we think of focusing on light, right? This Absolutely. is the seat of the feminine energy body. And it's been denigrated. The energy is associated with it for both men and women, sensuality, sexuality, emotional expression, true creative inspiration. It's all been denigrated in different ways, shape and forms. And so connecting with that, if we were to say like the world has a chakra that has been blocked, it's that one, right? So yes. that is from, oh yes. from chakra perspective, that's what we're trying to do. Bring this sacral chakra energy into our culture into both men and women rebalancing our whole energetic balance to bring this forward more and we are both sacred masculine and feminine right all everyone right what you choose to express is a different individual question but we are both of those energies and so that part of this work is bringing that forward now if you're in a female body biologically you know, there's a level of the energy body that connects to the physical body mm-hmm. and the cycles that we go through in a, in a female body, uh, menstruation, pregnancy, menopause, they're specific and they also have chakra connections. So part of women's energetics is the divine feminine part, which in a way right. is both men and women, right? Or, or anyone who identifies in any way, uh, non-binary. And then there's the physical part, which is these cycles and uh, reclaiming menstruation is not just a physical process but an energetic one and menopause as well and pregnancy all of it has this whole other component to it that's energetic and reclaiming that well I um selfishly my first thought when you said that last part was gosh I wonder what energy I need to heal this endometriosis I'm dealing with I'm sure that's a part of it as well you know certainly in terms of the mind-body connection for endometriosis, we're going to be working with the sacral chakra and all the themes of the sacral chakra and looking, mm. but I never uh, ever reduce things down to that because we have genetics. We have, so, right. obviously, and then you're talking about ancestral. And if you believe in past lives, you're talking about other things, but you, you know, working on that sacral chakra will never hurt. And often mm. um, there are things uncovered related to the themes of the second chakra that working to heal aids the physical healing. That's really how it works. Oh, now I'm going to have to look into my, um, what is it? Eastern, Western body, Eastern mind. Exactly. That's how you did it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to, oh, that's the author that you mentioned before. I knew I had heard that name. (laughs) Yes. Right. So she's, she draws a lot on Jungian, um, archetypes and things in terms of the way that she relates to the chakras. She's one of the ones that does that. It's just Carolyn Miss anatomy of the spirit. Uh, yeah, they were some of the early ones. Mm-hmm. Well, and I do find, you know, I, there's no studies on this, obviously I wish there was, but anecdotally, when I look at the right. women who come to me, I feel like there is a higher rate of endometriosis, uterine fibroids and ovarian cysts. Those are the three things I see a lot of in sexual trauma survivors. Is that really true? I don't know, but interesting. I see it, right? Yeah. So I wish there was. Yeah. There is this thing called the ACE study, which maybe you've come across, which has to do more with childhood abusive experiences and how they map to physical disease later on in life. Mm -hmm. So at some point, maybe we will have a better sense of what specifically what kinds of traumas map to specific, you know, um, physical issues. And that would be very helpful, I think. But um, yeah, I'm not surprised to see these mappings at all. Absolutely. And now you're making my head spin. I have so much Googling to do <laughs> of uh, some of those connection points too. I had never connected that, but that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, is there anything that you want to share or say that I haven't given you time or space to for listeners? 
You know, speaking of the feminine energy body, I think the thing, other thing I always like to talk about is boundaries. Mm. Uh, people often, often ask me like, well, so when you're dealing with uh, female identified versus male identified clients, is there a difference in how you approach them or things like that? Mm. So often with women, female identified clients, the first thing we need to work on is boundaries. And that has to do with our energy body being more fluid and open in general, and also with female conditioning, which really conditions us to feel responsible for others' emotions. Mm-hmm. And energetically, that leads to the pattern of taking them on. So learning how to rewrite that is, is key. Then men are often conditioned into emotional rigidity, frankly. Right, <laughs> absolutely. Because their second chakras just shut down. So the first thing I'm working on with them is like just getting some flow going in that energy body, right? Yeah. I, I Just to leave your listeners with that, something to think about. Like, do I need to focus on boundaries? Am I taking on others' emotions? Do I need to focus on fluidity? Am I rigid? And those are the two starting points that are often the most, the most interesting to think about. And what you're describing is that we've kind of socialized everyone to be on two opposite ends of the spectrum. That's right. And it reflects in the way we carry our energy body. And so part of what energy body is, is let's reclaim the whole thing. Men mm. can be fluid and women can be boundaried. Right? Yeah. So, yeah. And that's what we're trying to, on the energy perspective. And that's why I feel it is so interesting um, this is a generation identifying as non-binary. This is I, really what many are trying to get to is I want to be free to express my full self, all of my energy. Mm-hmm. I want everyone to be able to do that. However you identify, right. Mm-hmm. Energetically, that's always what it's been about from my perspective. Oh, that's really, really beautiful. Where can listeners get a hold of you and follow along after this conversation? Yeah. Uh, my website is enlightenedenergetics.com. My main book is Chakra Empowerment for Women. And I am on both Facebook and Instagram as Chakra Empowerment and Twitter as Mommy Mystic. Oh, fun. So a couple different places to find you. Well, thank you again. Thanks for listening to another episode of Consciously Clueless. If you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe wherever you're listening. If that's somewhere like Apple Podcasts, leave a review and you could be read on air as the review of the week. Looking for more podcast content, yoga videos, meditations, and all-around amazing community? Head over to patreon.com slash consciouslycarly and check out what's going on. And finally, if you are ready to make changes in your life but don't really know where to begin, let's work together. Head over to consciouslycarly.com and we can start the process and get you happy. Until next time.